The Ranking Show is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston, and I are about to be talking Week 10 Fantasy Football rankings, and I love talking football with all of you out there. But guess what? I like more than football. I like more than sports. This summer, I went to the Rolling Stone show in Chicago. My wife and I already have tickets to go see the Nutcracker, an annual tradition for us. And guess what? On game time, you can get concert theater tickets in addition to all the sports tickets you are looking for as well. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download game time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. into the ranking show for week 10 of the NFL season, our first and thankfully our only six-team bye week of the 2019 NFL season. I am your host, Michael Beller, joined as always by my trusty co-hosts on the ranking show, Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. Guys, I know we all love a six-team bye week. How we feel in this Wednesday? Uh, it's a, it's a morning, the morning show at the throwback, I just felt like every answer was, well, if it wasn't for six teams on a bye. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least we get Dallas and Minnesota, San Francisco and Seattle to end the to end week 10. So we'll go out on a bang here. Yeah, and I'd even save and oh, starting off with a little bit of a bang. I'm excited about the yeah. uh, the uh, Raiders and Chargers on Thursday night. It's a pretty good primetime slate. That's so a, I'm most excited for Arizona, Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah. Like I'm hoping I'm hoping that's fireworks. I think it can't not be fireworks. That's definitely the best fantasy game on the slate. Uh, Emery Hunt and I actually talked about that game as well as the Sunday and Monday nighter uh, with uh, with Minnesota and Dallas on Sunday and uh, San Francisco and Seattle on Monday on our episode of the Advanced Route. So if you want a little bit more in-depth on those three games, go ahead and check out that episode of the Advanced Route from this week. You can follow Jake on Twitter at All Kid. You can get Brandon at Brandon Funston. You can get me at M Beller, theathletic.com slash the ranking show. You're going to get yourself 40% off an annual subscription if you use that link to subscribe to The Athletic. That'll give you access to everything we do, including the Friday update to this show with me and Derek Van Riper. Check out that episode of uh, The Advanced Route for more on those three games. And check out the uh, latest episode of To Be Honest with Jake and D'Angelo Williams. Jake, what'd you guys get into in this latest episode? Uh, a lot of good stuff about quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield and the Browns being disappointment. Lamar Jackson on the positive side. I, I can't. T- I keep teasing on other shows. He gave a good reason, really good insight. I don't want to spoil it for anybody that listens to this show, but that practice has to do with the struggles that Odell Beckham's having specifically, and just just a lot of good fun. We talked about our trips. His he went to Memphis. I went to Notre Dame. So it was good stuff. Yeah, it's, practice. Uh... <laughs> you talking practice? <laughs> and actually, it's it's. I hey, this is why I like talking to a former player. It was something I never even thought of before of why Odell Beckham struggling. It's a unique show. Certainly get that unique insight from D'Angelo Williams. So check that out and maybe uh, maybe get a little bit of uh, an explanation for why all you Odell owners out there have been frustrated this season. That subscription and also... hear how wonderful Notre Dame is. Oh yeah, South Bend, love it. Love it. Not gonna be not gonna be listening to that one, Jake. Sorry. 
uh, it's an experience. If you like college football at all, I would go. Hey, like nothing else, just to be there, see touchdown Jesus, the you know the dome. Like it's just the experience was just amazing. I, I agree. I've been there one time, and uh, and it was even in a downpour, but I still had a good time because of the spectacle of it all. The only downside here, I'll tell everybody in case you everybody ever goes there. So they do festivities on the day, and one of them is the player walk, and then another one is they do the trumpets inside one of the halls before the game. They coincided side by side almost within five minutes of each other because it was a 2.30 game instead of a 3.30 game. If you have the choice and you can only do one or the other, go to the trumpets. I did the outside one, and I froze, and my buddy had a much better time listening to the trumpets than I had just walking, watching players walk by. <laughs> you can't help but rank things, Jake. <laughs> I, I can, I, you know what? That's funny. I should, I should rank the things to do at Notre Dame. I, I, I'm going to do that. Thank you. That'll you be my it. next week's call. You got it. Well, if you want to read Jake's uh, things to do in South Bend and at Notre Dame uh, rankings, then you definitely want to be a subscriber too. That's where you'll get Jake's ranks. That's where you'll get his full ranks for week 10. We're going to get uh, to that here now. But as we said, big bye week, six teams on by and six pretty important teams, at least uh, most of them important. Houston, Philadelphia, New England, Jacksonville, Denver, and Washington all taking a seat here in week 10. So uh, a lot of the guys we're going to talk about, you're going to want to start. And we'll start off with Devin Singletary, who maybe wouldn't need a heavy bye week to jump into starting lineups. But both you guys have him comfortably as an RB2. Jake at RB14, Brandon, or Jake at RB18, Brandon is at RB14 on Devin Singletary. Jake, are we thinking finally this is his backfield now? Yeah, jokingly, I poured one out for Frank Gore on the throwback show. It's it's like we waited and waited and waited and waited for his seemingly uh, his entire career from to go away. And not like we want him to. It's just it was impressive that he's been sticking around this long. I, I would rank him a little bit higher just if not for what I mentioned is my concern, Brandon, is that I, I kind of worry about the Matt Forte, the Matt Forte from his career of where he was getting all the R's between the tens and then just vulture time and time again. And I'm wondering if part of their turning to Devin Singletary earlier in the game was because Frank Gore got stuffed three times at the goal line. And what if Frank Gore gets in for that first touch? Like, do they one still go to him at the goal line? I think they do. And then two, if he gets in, do they maybe swing back to like a 60, 40, even 55, 45? I think it's Singletary's backfield. But I don't think Gore is completely gone from being team relevant. I think he is gone from being fantasy relevant. But that's why I don't have him quite as high as you do. Yeah, if they went, if Buffalo was going, you know, baseball analytics style, they would know that, you know, and I read this all the time from Michael Salfino because he mentions it every chance he gets that Frank Gore is kind of historically bad at the goal line, right? Like, and, yeah. and, and we know from... You know, I, I, I'm sure you know this too, you know, in college, Devin Singletary for his size is a good between the tackles runner. And, uh, I, you know, so we'll see that that is a concern. It's fair. Um, but I think there's a chance that Devin Singletary gets those opportunities as well. Uh, but he's catnip for me and I've been waiting for this. You know, I kind of look at it as like, he's the rocket ship and Frank Gore was the, uh, you know, was the, was the fuel tank that they, that kind of drops off once the rocket gets, you know, in, in midair. And so <laughs> early um, in the show for, <laughs> and, 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 I was about to say analogies. I can't even uh, talk metaphors. anymore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm going to assume that we're going to push 15 to 20 touches for Singletary here against Cleveland, giving up, you know, nearly five yards of carry to the running back position. They, 
their their passing game numbers to running backs isn't terrible. But if you look at anybody who's anything in the passing game as a running back, they've done at least what's been expected of them against Cleveland. I, they haven't faced a, a whole slew of really good like change of pace backs. But I think Devin Singletary can do it all. And I think he'll, you know, going forward, we're going to see him getting more and more and more of a chance to do that. So like the like the opportunity, like the the matchup. Yeah, played 66% of the snaps in that game uh, last week, a game that Buffalo led wire to wire. So uh, an indication of maybe where this backfield's headed. Last year, it was uh, Nick Chubb, who we'll be sharing a field with, who came on midseason and then carried fantasy teams, maybe Devin Singletary, maybe it's the uh, the Spider-Man meme with them pointing at one another. Uh, 2018, Nick Chubb, 2019, Devin Singletary. How about the Arizona Cardinals, you guys? We know they've got a new running back in town, Kenyon Drake, freed from Miami, goes for 110 yards on the ground, 52 yards through the air, and a touchdown in his Arizona debut last week. But all signs point to David Johnson making his return from injury this week. This is just Wednesday, but certainly sounds good for Johnson to get back on the field. You guys are uh, in lockstep on these two guys. Uh, Jake at running back 23 for Johnson. Brandon, you're at 21. And then for Kenyon, Drake, Drake, uh, Jake, Jake, Drake, Drake for Jake at running back 31 and Brandon at 29. Brandon, we'll go to you first on this one. How do you envision a balance between these two backs uh, for Arizona? Well, first of all, you know, this is a, we mentioned it's the highest scoring uh, over under on the board. It's in the mid fifties. Um, Tampa Bay has been good against the run, but you, you kind of throw out the matchup situation when you're dealing with Arizona and the uniqueness of their offense. This has been a very, it's been a very good uh, fantasy points per touch backfield. I mean, David Johnson, Chase Edmonds, Kenyon Drake, they've all been excellent in, in terms of efficiency and fantasy. I, this is, this is a tough one because, uh, luckily, we don't have to fill out our lineups on Wednesday. Uh, you know, this is uh, you got to follow the the news cycle all the way up to till game time. You know, and it's either David Johnson looks great, and we kind of go back to the early weeks of the of the year when Chase Edmonds was the you know the complimentary back, and he was still doing stuff in that role. But David Johnson was the guy you definitely wanted. Or it's yeah, David Johnson sounds like he's pretty good, but maybe it's a you know there's some kind of a split. Or you know what? Last second, David Johnson, just not quite as, uh, you know, as healthy as we thought. And we're going to pull the <laughs> pull the rug out on everybody and and let Kenyon Drake rule the rule the roost. So, I, I, you know, these are fluid rankings for me. I, I will be rank, I will be playing Arizona, Arizona's, you know, lead running back for sure. And if they, it, you know, if I think it's going to be somewhat of an equitable split, I'll play both of them and I'll be fine with throwing Kenyon Drake into a flex spot and David Johnson kind of be in my RB, too. So you just going to have to ride this one out. Well, there's two things here was one is I don't think either one of them for myself would be as high if not for the 16 by week because they're facing the Buccaneers. And this is the first week last week that anybody did much of anything as a running back, Chris Carson and everybody before that. I mean, great running backs of Saquon Barkley's talent. Christian McCaffrey scored to save his day. Uh, they've been stopping everybody until Chris Carson. And some of that was at the end of the game anyway. But all that being said. It's a concerning matchup, and then to the answer, well, kind of similar to what Brandon was saying, is yes, it's Wednesday, but I am legitimately concerned of David Johnson the rest of the season period. I'm worried that what if we end up with Todd Gurley of 2018, and not that. Actually, I would prefer that because at least he would be shut down, and we would know just to go to Drake, and then when Chase Edmonds is back, maybe he gets in the mix. Right now, I don't know any given week if David Johnson is going to come out of the game early, be a decoy. But if you're going to tell me side by side, yes, Drake looked amazing and looked the best probably he ever has. But David Johnson side by side is still a better talent. And he's going to use in the passing game, as Brandon was saying. And one of the things is at least you can get some passing game work against the Buccaneers. And you're going to give me the edge in that. That's why I'll go David Johnson. That's why he's higher the two. 
Do I feel, excuse me, do I feel great about either one of them? Absolutely not. Yeah, it's uh, going to be a fun game, I think, uh, from a fantasy perspective. And we know what these two offenses can do against these two defenses. As you said, Brandon, one you're going to watch all, one, want to watch all the way down to the wire. Uh, thankfully, uh, this is uh, in Tampa. So it is a 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff. You'll be able to make that decision uh, without having to go somewhat blind on it when we get reports coming in on David Johnson. Joe Mixon, the next guy who I want to talk about here, another guy who you guys are close on, Jake at RB25 and Brandon uh, at RB28. Uh, so we're just outside the RB2 class here, basically, even with all these teams on by Ryan Finley going to make his Bengals debut as the starter this week. A.J. Green, all signs to him, all signs point to him, excuse me, getting uh, on the field for the first time in the 2019 season. Jake, at this point, are you just gritting and bearing it with Joe Mixon if you have him? Yeah, and you talked about Emory before, and Emory wrote up a good article on the site about what's going wrong with Joe Mixon and can things get better. The thing is, and I know this is jumping ahead of the wide receivers, but it's related, is A.J. Green now sounds questionable. He, he didn't feel good enough to practice today, which kind of makes me wonder if he's even going to return this week. That was the upside, hoping that you know the defenses would be softened just because you have to pay attention to A.J. Green because nothing against Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate, but they're not A.J. Green, even less than 100%. They're not A.J. Green. So the problem with Joe Mixon is now the offensive line, if A.J. Green isn't back, Ryan Finley's now at quarterback. We can make all the speculation we want off his college game and all that type of stuff, which isn't overly impressive, and neither is his arm. And I say all that because there's a lot of quite like it could go the op opposite way. Like there was a lot from Brandon Allen that wasn't impressive. No, I don't think anybody expected him to come out of that game passing as many touchdowns as he did, because if you've ever seen Brandon Allen play before, it hasn't been that good. But sometimes different scenarios, different teams, different whatever scenarios can change, could provide a spark in the offense. But all, all that I don't think is going to be enough to move up Joe Mixon that much more because it still comes back to the offensive line. And without A.J. Green, I just the Ravens defense has been playing. It's been hot as of late. Yeah, Jake, I'm glad you mentioned Emery's column. I was I edited that. And my takeaway from that was he was like, Yeah, these things can get better. But all of his all of the examples he cited were from week eight of all these different offensive line bungling assignments. And then the other thing he cited being Joe Mixon not having trust and confidence. And we're in week eight. Like, I don't think it's just a bye week takes care of that. I, I think we got a talent issue. We have we have scheme problems that have been a problem all year long, and I just don't think you know Roman's built the day when it comes to fixing all that. So uh, I, you know, the, the title of that was "What's Wrong with Joe Mixon?" and is it going to get better? And I, I'm I'm very dubious it's going to get a whole lot better. Yeah, maybe HA Green being back helps out a little bit, but look at this might be you know one step back with with Ryan Finley at least to begin with before they can take a couple steps forward. But, um, you know, at that point we're talking, we're in the fantasy playoffs and your, your ship's already sunk at that point. So I'm not expecting much from Joe Mixon for this week. He's 28th on the list because, uh, you know, it's a 16 bye week, but you know, going against Baltimore, throwing Ryan Finley to the wolves, so to speak, is not <laughs> uh, an ideal situation for me to be playing that running back. Yeah, there. I agreed with Emery on that. I thought they should have been a little bit more patient for the fact that they haven't even had their like at least let Andy Dalton play a game with AJ Green before he pulled the plug. By the way, you said taking a step back. You want to take one more step back? We just got a tweet. Uh, from Mike Jarecki that covers the Cardinals that said David Johnson, quote, said, I'm definitely playing. I'm 100 percent. OK. So, oh, gosh, I like that. Yeah. Love to hear that's, that. Yeah, that's good stuff. An ugly year in go. Cincinnati might get uh, should get even <laughs> uglier uh, this week with the Ravens. By, coming by the down. way, when it comes to health information, sorry to cut you off, Michael. That's when it comes to health, health information, you should always trust players. 
Wait, it's 100% foolproof. Well, there's 100% of what he's feeling. I don't care about that part. I just want to know that he's playing. That just the the rest of the part. I don't care what he says. I don't care what the coach says. I still go back to you're right, Brandon. I'm never gonna. He's not 100% until I see him 100% on the field. Well, it sounds like at least we'll see him on the field this week, Joe Mixon as well, but uh, a tough assignment for Cincinnati with Baltimore coming to town. Big favorites, one of the biggest favorites on the board, laying nine and a half in Baltimore, or in Cincinnati for the Ravens this week. Last running back to talk about, Ronald Jones. Are we finally going to believe in Ronald Jones yet again, or is uh, is this another situation of uh, Bruce Arians being the Lucy to the fantasy communities? Charlie Brown, Jake, you're at uh, running back 27 on Ronald Jones. Brandon, you are at RB25. So Brandon, we'll start with you here. Uh, You and I talked about Ronald Jones a little bit on wire to wire this week. We agreed he was the top waiver guy to go after if he is available in your league, but are we ready to trust him fully at this point? I mean, I I think it's too soon to say full on circle of trust. I mean, uh, you know, this, we've seen it happen where, you know, Arians has pulled the rug out from under us after we thought we had this situation dialed in, but uh, my only worry in this game, I feel like Ronald Jones, as you said, he's been named the starter. Does he get the goal line carries? Is that what they throw Peyton Barber as to throw him a bone to get him involved to not, you know, have him just sitting on the sidelines stewing, I, whether they care about that or not. Uh, the other thing is, is the 54 point over under spread is Dari Ogunbowale. Is it both teams just going to fall in love with throwing the ball and, and not try to establish any kind of running game? I think those are concerns, but Ronald Jones looked good. I feel good about if they do, in fact, try to have some semblance of balance that he's going to have a, have a, you know, maybe something similar to what he did last week on 18 carries, 67 yards and a touchdown. I mean, you look at Arizona giving up almost five yards of carry to the running backs. So uh, I like the situation as long as Tampa doesn't just fall in love with throwing the ball, which, you know, they've been apt to do. Yeah, it's that's really what it comes down to is the trust level. Do you have to throw the T word out there? And no, I don't. It's, uh, you know, Arians, I would like to say, hey, you know, we have our guy. We know our answer. The biggest thing is Arians has also always preferred a running back that, you know, is a pass catcher. And Ronald Jones definitely struggles in that area still to this day, still struggles in that area, especially with the pass blocking. That's why even to this game last week, Peyton Barber included, Ogumba Wally had been their primary third down option because he's the best of the three of them in that facet of the game. Just again, proving that somebody that's been tossed around the league and never really seen as much and doesn't even have much of a role on his team. He has that role because that's what Arians want. So I, I think as Brea said, he is the lead option. I don't think Barber's completely done. I don't think Agumba Wally's completely out of the mix. I, if you told me 55% of the share going forward, I'd say he's going to be in the RB two slash three conversation RB two this week, maybe because Six teams on a bye. As I told you, this was going to come up a lot. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the truth is, you know, this is a pass-first team. It's a pass-happy team. And that's the what's always going to hurt Ronald Jones. And it's going to be a pass-happy game on both sides of this. Tampa Bay and Arizona, two teams that want to pass already no matter what, and two defenses that you're going to want to pass against. So uh, definitely going to be, uh, or at least looks like a nice day to be invested in Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Kyler Murray, uh, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, maybe some tight ends that we could talk about a little bit later. Running back to take a chance on. Uh, Jake, why don't you take this one away first? (laughs) <laughs> running back to take a chance and this is awful like jamal williams is what i threw out there but he you know backup option people are already on him i'm gonna throw out one who's been disappointing your your team out there chicago 
Uh, Tariq Cohen, yeah, look, he, like, this is the last four games, 8.8, 7.9, 7.4, 6.1, half-point PPR, so it's not super exciting. Uh, that all comes before facing the Eagles, which I know we can kind of throw out. But Jalen Richard last week in the same matchup on just 24 snaps had four targets, three catches for 56 yards. And I'm just comparing him to Jalen Richard and the fact that similar skill set, but Tariq Cohen's at least on the field more and seeing more opportunities. So if you give that and give more opportunities and more snaps in this matchup, I think Tariq Cohen's been disappointed for what people wanted this year, thinking he's you know in that James White conversation. But this is the one week where you could use him, especially if you're needy. I'm going to throw out Gus Edwards. Um, just, you know, he only had six carries for like 34 yards last time these two teams faced. But Michael, you mentioned this is like almost a 10 point spread. Uh, this is Ryan Finley. This is a horrible Cincinnati offense. And if Baltimore gets up, you know, double digit points, I think Gus Edwards gets 10 plus carries, you know, something close to five yards a carry and maybe gets in the end zone. You're not going to get anything. I mean, Jake's right in that you you like to get the change of pace backs into that flex flyer, you know, because because catches, you know, in most of the leagues that we play in, which are going to be PPR juiced, uh, are worth more. Uh, it's just more fantasy upside to them. But 50 yards on the ground or more and uh, maybe one of his more heavier usage days and a decent chance at a touchdown as well. And one of those key handcuff guys going forward if you're in on Mark Ingram, and we've seen backup uh, running backs have good games against these bad teams so far this season. Gus Edwards, a guy who you can turn to in that vein this week. Uh, some injuries to keep in mind. We already got the uh, update from Jake. David Johnson saying he's 100%. Let's still see how that goes over the next couple of days, but certainly sounds like he's going to at least be able to play. Le'Veon Bell also dealing with a knee injury, been yet to uh, practice this week. And James Conner still has the shoulder injury, kept him out. Last week, we'll see what the deal is for Connor. This week, we know what Jalen Samuels is going to be in that offense. James Connor would be a welcome sight for the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. Let's move on now to the wide receiver position, and we start with DK Metcalf coming off the best game of his rookie season a week ago. Six catches on nine targets for 123 yards and a touchdown against Tampa Bay. You guys are both in the uh, low end, maybe just outside technically the wide receiver three class on DK Metcalf, Jake at 37 and Brandon at 39. And we expect Josh Gordon to be making his Seattle debut this week. Is that what is tempering your enthusiasm, Brandon? Not really. Honestly, I think if Josh Gordon wasn't on the team, I think I'd still rank him exactly the same. I I, I don't think Josh Gordon's going to have a big impact uh, overall in his first game. I'm not sure if he's going to have a big impact overall going forward at all. Like I could see him, you know, I can see him mixing in and maybe being a, a you know, a slightly better version of Jerron Brown and, uh, or maybe a little bit more than slightly better version of Jerron Brown and uh, David Moore. But I think that's, you know, he's going to, he's going to play opposite Metcalf and lock lock. It's going to be in the slot. I just think the matchup's tough. It's on Monday night. It's against, it's against the 49ers. It's a big spot. This is a great defense. Um, you know, I, the only reason I rank him that close to wide receiver three is because he's always, they always throw to him, you know, in the end zone, they take a, a chance or two with him in that respect every game. So maybe he gets lucky and he finds a touchdown, but I just think the, the volume and, and then the yardage upside are very low this week. Yeah. It's my biggest concern is, you know, you look at the 49ers defense and this entire season, there's only been two receivers that have even top four receptions against them. And that was one Tyler Boyd way back in week two. Although Tyler Boyd and John Ross both had a big game in that one, but that was also Andy Dalton throwing it 7,000 times in that game. And that's really what it's going to take. It's going to take volume. And that's my concern because the other decent games that you have on here are 
nine, eight, 11 targets. And even so with those, it still is usually resulted in only four or five catches. You need the touchdown. And if you're going to bet on any team, it's Russell Wilson to get those touchdowns and be that efficient on it. And he's somebody that can easily turn six passes into five catches with how good he is, but not always when it comes to Metcalf. And that's my biggest concern. He, like you said, he's coming off his best game, but as against the 49ers, uh, I got to tell you, this is one of those situations, Mike, I always tell you, like I run the projections the first time and then I go back and back and back. And when you said my ranking, I even said, well, that feels a little bit low like that. You know, even with everything I'm saying, like yeah, this is the concern of him. And this is probably why it's built in the projection is like it feels a little bit low. But these are all the reasons why is the 49ers are that scary. They've given up six touchdowns on the year and two of them just came against the Cardinals with one of them being that huge fluke touchdown to Isabella. So that's what you have to look at, because even in that game, Keyshawn Johnson had a touchdown, but it was two catches for 22 yards. So. I, I don't know that the ceiling is extremely high. It's a fun game. It's a, likely the game of the week. Seattle and San Francisco on Monday night. And hey, uh, hat tip to ESPN. You finally get yourselves a fun uh, Monday night game that we're all excited about. San Francisco, the lone <laughs> remaining undefeated team in the league. Six and a half point favorites with Seattle coming to town. Uh, next guy I want to talk about is Marquise Brown, you guys. Uh, Jake, you're at 38 on Marquise Brown this week. Brandon at wide receiver, 30. Returned from his ankle injury last week. Caught three passes for 48 yards in the win over the Patriots. This feels like it should be a pretty good matchup for this entire Baltimore offense against the uh, completely rudderless Cincinnati Bengals. Jake, I got to say, I was a, a little surprised to see you down at, at 38. Uh, can you explain that ranking, uh, at least as it sits on Wednesday? Yeah. Do you want to guess how many wide receivers have topped 100 yards against the Bengals? Mm, I'll say two. Yep, it's two. And it's not because the Bengals defense is good. It's just you don't need to pass on them. And my biggest issue about Marquise Brown is the snaps and the health. And it's the snaps because of the health. Can he take one play for 50 yards? Absolutely. But is he 100%? Are the snaps going to be there? Or are they still going to treat him like they did last week where it's not quite... I, I just feel like he's extremely boomer bust. To put it this way, I feel like Marquise Brown's ranking's wrong. It's either it's going to be way too low or it's going to be way too high. His opportunity here is probably one catch for 17 yards or three catches for 100 and a touchdown. And But the biggest thing is to go back why Brandon likes Gus Edwards is because I think just Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, that's all you need to do against this Bengals defense is run, 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 run. We always talk about backup running backs against the Bengals. I just don't know that if you look at this history of what they've done this year, teams have shown we don't even need to pass against them because we can just beat them on the ground. Yeah, it's fair enough. I think that's true, but I just love the potential for them beating them on the ground and then taking a, you know, a deep shot to Marquise Brown because while the wide receivers haven't been getting you know huge yardage numbers, like the Bengals have given up 30, 36 pass plays of 20-plus yards, which is like – fourth most per game in the league. They've you know, given up almost one 40 yard pass play per game. And I just think you're right. There is that chance for that. There's a really good chance, I think for a big Marquise Brown play. And so I'm, I'm gambling on that happening, I guess a little bit more heavily than you are, but I don't think that this is going to be a 12 target or, or even, you know, eight or nine target game for Marquise Brown. I think it's, you know, you're maybe looking at more like five targets, but if one or two of them hit, you can have a very big day off of that. Yeah, it's a game that we're all expecting Baltimore to be able to control. Again, nine and a half point favorites in Cincinnati. Uh, I know I've got well, a receiver listed in between uh, Marquise Brown and the Bengals receivers on our sheet here. But since we're already talking about that game, let's jump down 
to those Bengals receivers. Uh, so here's where we are right now. Again, A.J. Green uh, going to be iffy for the week. Uh, as you said, Jake, uh, unable to practice just yet. We all thought that this was going to for sure be his return. But for now, we'll just talk about it as though he is returning. Jake, you've got uh, A.J. Green at wide receiver 18, Boyd at 23, and Auden Tate basically off the board at wide receiver 60. Uh, Brandon, uh, you've got A.J. Green at wide receiver 31, Boyd at 37, and Auden Tate at wide receiver 57. Again, let's just say that A.J. Green is going to be able to play. We'll just stipulate that right now. Again, we're here on Wednesday. You're going to want to watch it the next couple of days. Uh, Brandon, we'll start with you on this one. What's your target share expectation for especially A.J. Green and Boyd in what would be Green's first game of the season? Well, okay, so we can, we're saying he's going to play, but we know right now that he didn't practice today and that if he does play, he apparently wasn't feeling 100% leading into this game. He sat out more than half the season. Um, he's one of the, you know, one of the biggest durability issues in the league at this point. Um, he's going to be coming in with no prior, you know, history with this quarterback and Ryan Finley. And yeah, I, I know Baltimore has been a bit, you know, more generous than they've been in the past against or against the past than they've been in the past. But I, I man, like just, just open arms wide receiver 18, Jake, I would love to hear your explanation on that. And uh, you know, Tyler Boyd's probably going up against Marlon Humphrey, who's been very good corner uh, in the secondary. Again, all these guys have no history with Ryan Finley. This offensive line is terrible. Um, I, I'm sorry. I just can't. I I can't be bullish at all on anything to do with the Cincinnati Bengals offense. Who are we talking about? <laughs> AJ Green, Tyler Boyd. Uh, you know, no, no, no. the guys. end. No, the end. AJ Green, the end. That's who we're talking about. I, I no look, man. He, not, even when he was healthy, he, he's always been. A, he's been a roller coaster. Yeah, okay. Hey, you asked. Can I can I answer the question? <laughs> <laughs> They're not gonna he, look. They just proved it. They're not gonna roll him out there unless he's healthy. They didn't even practice today. If he's healthy, which is what their assumption we're making right now, I'm not benching A.J. Green. I don't care if it's Ryan Finley. I don't care if it's Steve Finley. I don't care who the hell is that quarterback. <laughs> it's A.J. Green. Let's be, And that's the truth about it. it. It doesn't matter who's throwing the ball. He's that talented. The reason he's at 18 and not inside the top 10 is because it is his first game, and it is because it is Ryan Finley, because if it was Andy Dalton and we knew he was 100%, he'd be in the top 10 because he's A.J. Green. So that's why. That's, uh, that's my reasoning behind it. I think that's fair reasoning. I think that's fair enough reasoning for sure. Uh, let's just while, while we're on the subject here, uh, let's say we we learn that uh, that AJ Green's out. Let's say Friday we have plenty of time. AJ Green not going to make his debut. Jake, where would you end up putting Auden Tate? Would you have him as someone who uh, guys could be looking to start this week? I'm going back to what I've been saying this entire time. I'd start Auden Tate over Tyler Boyd for the you know all the people, the two or three people are like, I can't believe you ranked him. Well, guess who's been doing better? Auden Tate. Thank you very much for not showing back up in the rankings column and being like, oh, Jake, you were right because nobody ever says that when I was right. They only want to mention when I'm wrong, and I'm not always right. They just like mentioning when I'm wrong. But Auden Tate's been more productive because Tyler Boyd's better when AJ Green's out there. Tyler Boyd can't handle being the number one attention for defenses. That's fine. I'm not hating on Tyler Boyd. It's just some receivers can't do it. The best example I keep always going back to is Randall Cobb a few years ago when he was asked to be the number one for the Packers. Some receivers can't handle it. So I would put Auden Tate in front of him. And I actually think both of them could have a decent day, even if AJ Green's out there, because the one thing that just we saw from the Patriots is the underneath slot, middle of the field, wide receiver option routes. Those are the ones that you can do a little bit of damage against the Patriots with. And that's where Auden Tate and Tyler Boyd would spend their day with or without AJ Green. 
Um, all right, great. Uh, let's uh, let's move right on to our next receiver here. Last receiver to talk about, Sammy Watkins. Um, now, the volume has not been a concern for him this year at all, you guys. 56 targets, uh, and that counts all seven games. Really, he he's only played six. He uh, The game where he uh, got injured, uh, he left that one pretty early. So we're talking 56 targets across six games. That's 9.3 targets per game for Sammy Watkins, but the production has been pretty solidly, you know, meh, just sort of middle of the road there. You guys are both uh, in the uh, top 30 on Sammy Watkins this week, Jake at wide receiver 28 and Brandon at wide receiver 29. Brandon, we'll go to you uh, on this one. Uh, How do you square all that opportunity with the production where it's been at with Sammy Watkins? Well, I think Jake would probably agree. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think we like Sammy Watkins, almost like we like Tyler Boyd. We like Sammy Watkins with Pat Mahomes at quarterback and Tyreek Hill running as the alpha. And, you know, and we haven't really seen that. And and Sammy Watkins, in terms of his fantasy value, is living off of that week one game in which he had three touchdowns, kind of like Will Fuller. He's going to show up among the, the better, you know, wide receivers in fantasy on a per game basis solely off of that one game. There's a lot of 40, 50, 60 yard games after that. But um, we like <laughs> we like Mahomes. We like Tyreek Hill being out there. And when Sammy Watkins is your second, third option in the passing game, uh, and you don't have that defense focusing as much attention. He's still very talented and talented enough uh, to make hay with that. So that's kind of where I'm at with the Watkins ranking this week. Yeah, I actually do like Watkins for the fact that, you know what, yeah, everything you just said, Brandon, is true. But even on the downside is without scoring a touchdown, it's been, you know, eight, nine, eight, seven, nine, seven, like in half point PPR. But he's the, the production's been there. It just he hasn't found the end zone since week one. So if you looked at it and said, look at Sammy Watkins getting all those targets, all those receptions, all those yards. No, he hasn't hit 100 yards since week one, but it's enough yards. It's enough targets, it's enough receptions that we should be saying. Now, there's a little bit of positive touchdown regression coming back around. The reason nobody's mentioning it is because they look at the season as a whole instead of a game by game. I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but he has three touchdowns on the season. If you took out week one for going these games, these five other games with the, what he has, we would say, you know what? He's probably going to have it swing back his way, especially if Patrick Mahomes is that quarterback. Similar to what you brought out with DK Metcalf before with the 10 targets and zero uh, touchdowns in the red zone until that swung back around. And I'm not saying this is the week because I, you know this, I don't believe in being due, but there is a, a, there's a regression on either side that by the end of the season, it should come back around a few. So it's just more of the opportunities there. At least he's got a nice floor, and then you always have the upside for a touchdown with Patrick Mahomes. That crazy thing about that Metcalf stat was it was 10 targets, no catches even. So that was that was even more overdue for that reason. But uh, sorry, Michael, go ahead. Oh, good. There's uh, <laughs> no uh, no line in this game just yet as we still wait for Patrick Mahomes. But uh, Chiefs going to be favored one way or another, uh, no matter if it's Mahomes or more, going into Tennessee to take on the Titans. Uh, we got a wide receiver to take a chance on now. Uh, Jake, we'll start with you on this one. Who's someone who you're uh, willing to throw into your lineups here uh, with all these teams on bye in Week 10? <laughs> you know, everybody wants to hate on them, and, and yeah, understandably so, and everybody was buying into the Jets for their schedule. And, and he disappointed last week, and Sam Darnold's been awful. But watching that game, and it was Sam Darnold's fault, but if Sam Darnold doesn't overthrow that throw it late in the game, that probably goes for a touchdown and nobody's complaining about Robbie Anderson right now because they've been like, Oh, Robbie Anderson had a good game. They bounced back. Everything's fine. It's just one pass. And yes, it comes back to Sam Darnold, 
But it also comes back to the Giants, who have given up the most plays. Brandon brought up the 20-plus yards. They've given up the most 40-yard-plus plays to wide receivers on the season. DeAndre Baker is allowing a 151.4 quarterback rating. He's going to see him at some times. The only person that's allowed more yards is Vernon Hargraves out in Tampa Bay. Jenkins has been miserable for most of the season. Uh, I just look at the opportunity here, which is the re- you know everybody talks about Robbie Anderson that they can do more than most with one or two catches. If you're talking about a matchup that can really make that happen, is the Giants and everybody's like, oh, he had that matchup last week with the Dolphins. But I go back to it, yes, and he almost had that touchdown if not for Sam Darnold. So just Sam Darnold, just just get him the ball, just please get him the ball. <laughs> I like Robbie Anderson. I'll go, I'll go a lot deeper here. Just to throw somebody out that's available in like 70% of, of like Yahoo leagues. It's Cole Beasley. He's done. He's had low yardage totals, but he scored in three straight games. And you look at Cleveland, uh, they've struggled in the slot. I mean, yeah, some of the guys that have killed them are, are pretty good talents like Julian Edelman and, and Cooper cup, but both of those guys had two touchdowns. I mean, you could throw Willie Sneed in there at 60 yards and a touchdown. I mean, there's just been a decent amount of slot receivers that have, have done good things against Cleveland. So will Cole Beasley score in his fourth straight game? I think it's possible, but I think what you'll at least see is maybe, you know, it won't be two thirteen and a touchdown. I think we're going to get something more in the line of like five or six plus catches and, you know, some, some serviceable yards. And, and again, I think there's a, at least a, a decent chance that he scores again. Injuries. We are watching at the wide receiver position over the next couple of days. We've already talked about AJ green a little bit, still trying to make his way back. From the ankle injury, T.Y. Hilton missed last week's game with a quad, uh, still dealing with that, and that could uh, complicate matters for everyone in Indianapolis. Brandon Cooks uh, trying to make his way out of concussion protocol. Uh, uh, Sean McVay calling him day-to-day for the time being. Already seems like Adam Thielen will sit with his hamstring injury. Gave it a go last week, but was only out there for seven snaps before he packed it in for the afternoon. Sterling Shepard can't get out of concussion protocol either, and Alshon Jeffrey dealing with a little bit of an ankle problem for Philadelphia, but hey, they're on by, so uh, no worries there. No worries about Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, the Eagles are on by. He should be fine by week 11. Let's move on to the quarterback position here, you guys. Uh, before we uh, get to the players, uh, Nick Foles will be back as the starter for Jacksonville in week 11, so uh, we got to uh, I'll recap our favorite memory of Minshew Mania. Jake, since you are the uh, the Beowulf king of this episode or of this show, <laughs> uh, we'll let you take this one away. My favorite memory? I, I, I go back to what I was telling. We, we actually brought that up in the Angela Williams show, too, as we argued whether or not Fool should have the job when he comes back, which has already been answered. But I thought he won that game against the Broncos, which is an impressive thing to do. And I, I for that reason alone, I think he deserved more and he should get a shot next year. Um. So I'm a Washington Huskies fan. So my favorite memory is, is them getting clocked. Gardner Minshew's led Cougars getting clocked by the Washington Huskies in the Apple Cup. Um, <laughs> I was at that game. Uh, they came in, uh, you know, feeling good about themselves and the Huskies put them in their place. So I always appreciate that. But I'm, I'm a Minshew fan. I'm, I'm sad to see him go. I hope you poured one out for him as well, Jake. <laughs> no, because his days aren't <laughs> over yet. We're going to we're going to see him rocking the button shirt down to his navel and the it's going to come back. We're gonna get plenty. There is this is just a, a a pause in the Minshew mania. It's not the end yes. of Minshew mania. We'll be. We're waiting him. for season two. Oh, absolutely! Can't wait for season two. Can't wait to see what sort of theories people come up with uh, when while we're waiting for uh, for for the second season of Minshew mania. But that's a <laughs> that's another discussion for another day. Let's get to the quarterbacks who we uh, do want to discuss who will be playing in Week Ten. The first of which 
is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, multiple touchdowns in both of his last two games. We know the Dolphins, big underdogs in Indianapolis, 10-point dogs to be exact with an implied team total of 17. But Jake, you're sitting at quarterback 13, Brandon at quarterback 18. No Preston Williams, we know, for Miami. Colts rank 11th in pass DVOA, according to Football Outsiders. So uh, what gives, Jake, why you got uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick just outside that QB1 class? Uh, because he's Ryan Fitzpatrick. What has he done the past three games? 22 points, 17 points, 23 points, touchdowns in all the games, touchdowns in Buffalo, in Pittsburgh, which I would definitely take Pittsburgh 10 times out of 10 defensively over the Colts, even if Paul this year is or Paul Pierre this year is back. Uh, I'm looking at the fact that, you know what? Fitzpatrick's going to keep throwing it because he doesn't care. And he's going to keep throwing it and keep throwing it and keep throwing it. And I look at an exploitable defense that is still carrying a little bit from what they, you know, did earlier in the season against what was Mariota, uh, Derek Carr. They were, you know what? They limited Patrick Mahomes. I'll give him credit for that. But I just think it's not as tough on paper as it is on paper as people think and again it really comes down to ryan fitzpatrick right ryan fitzpatrick is gonna fling it that's all i care about yeah we'll see i think this could be a ball control marlon mack kind of game for the colts uh and i think they could probably get away with that in this game i trust ryan fitzpatrick about for about three games at a time before i feel like the bottom falls out for a little while um so yeah and losing preston williams and and God knows what's going on in that backfield. If it's Caleb Balage or even if it's, you know, <laughs> that's why he has to pass it more. He does. But if the defense doesn't have to respect that backfield at all, I don't know if that's going to be a good situation for Fitzpatrick. I just can't get on board. I, I, I hope you're, I hope you're willing to admit that there's a, a decent amount of leap of faith in this, in this ranking here for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Cause I don't think that, you know, all the, all the metrics and all the things that you would normally like to look at really point to a, a borderline QB one type of day for Fitzpatrick. No, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a leap of faith. I think it's a complete understanding that the floor is zero. That he loses the job halfway through the game because <laughs> we know that about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Similar to Jameis Winston, he'll throw until he's got four turnovers and keep throwing. It's yeah. gonna be. Yeah. I, yeah. No, go ahead, Brandon. No, I, I, I don't really have anything more to say. I think, like I said, I think the biggest issue I have with Fitzpatrick is I don't think that. I don't think Indy's going to push the score so much that Ryan Fitzpatrick is just fling, 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 and you know I think this could be a little bit more of a of a slog in terms of offense than maybe, um, you know, that maybe Jake thinks. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a game that, uh, that, that certainly could play to that script and we'll see if uh, Jacoby Brissett, uh, is going to be able to give it a go for the uh, Colts, uh, at least on Wednesday sounds decent enough chance, but it could be Brian Hoyer versus Ryan Fitzpatrick when the Colts and the Dolphins get together. Let's talk Jimmy Garoppolo now coming off his best game of the season. 317 yards, better than 8.5 yards per attempt and four touchdowns for the Niners last week. That coming against the Arizona Cardinals. This week, Monday Night Football, San Francisco hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Sounds like Joe Staley, Mike McGlinchey, and Kyle Juszczyk all going to be able to return for San Francisco. We've got Jake at QB14, Brandon at QB11. Brandon, you're a very close watcher of the Seattle defense. How does Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco offense match up? Well, Jake knows what I'm going to say. We're going to talk about that soft underbelly of the of the Seahawks defense. And this, you know, my nightmare is our George Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders going wild underneath and and Matt Breida catching the ball on a swing route out of the backfield and taking it like 40 yards. Like, I, I don't even think that's, you know, I don't even think that's fantasy at all. I think that could very realistically happen. And Garoppolo certainly looked like he took a confident step forward last week with the four touchdowns. Um, 
So, yeah, I think, and you mentioned all those guys coming back oh, just in time to face my Seahawks. I'm so happy about that. But, uh, yeah, I, that, I think, you know, San Francisco, this is not a great Seattle defense. They're having a hard time. They're giving up close to, you know, 27, 30 points almost every game these days. And, again, it's been all that stuff that's, that's that soft middle of that defense. So I think, uh, you know, Garoppolo's got weapons that can attack that perfectly. So I, I expect him to have a very good day. Yeah, I, I'm not quite as sold as you see. But two reasons is one is passing touchdown wise, they haven't given up two since just Jameis Winston last week since week three. I mean, Colin Murray zero, Golf one, Baker one, Lamar zero, Shaw one. Even though he threw for 460 yards, a lot of the damage has been coming on the running game, and even all that as from the quarterback. Uh, Brent, you're still not wrong, Brandon. It's just I also go back to the 49ers. We went into the Thursday night game. Nobody expecting that outcome because we all expected them just to run because that's all the 49ers do. And then they come out and fling the ball around and we're like, what the hell is going on? Everybody sat there. What, what the hell is going on with Kenya Drake? What's the, what's going on with Jimmy Garoppolo throwing three touchdowns? And I'm not saying that can't happen again. I just, this is a team that's just so run first is why go, why go away from what's working, especially with the Shanahan offense. And I think the Seahawks are vulnerable enough, period, that you don't need Garoppolo to throw as much. Would it surprise me if he's higher and inside the top 10? No. But it's, you asked me the, the situation with Fitzpatrick. I actually, as crazy as it sounds, like I trust Fitzpatrick to throw more than I do Jimmy Garoppolo just because of the team makeup. Yeah, we've seen the the 49ers live with that with that run game really all season long and getting uh, especially Kyle Juszczyk back uh, could have them turning into that more and maybe you don't want to have Jimmy Garoppolo going uh into a gunfight against Russell Wilson with the way that he has been playing this season so certainly well, Russell Wilson would win that one. Oh, yes, <laughs> indeed he would and uh sort of surprised to see Seattle getting six and a half. It almost feels like Vegas is begging you to make that bet on Seattle, which of course <laughs> you want to be wary of anytime Vegas is begging you to do something, but little surprised to see that line where it is, even with San Francisco being undefeated and playing at home. Again, the marquee game of the week, Monday Night Football, San Francisco and Seattle. How about Jared Goff, you guys? One more California quarterback to talk about here. Uh, Rams and Steelers getting together in Pittsburgh. Jake, you're at QB 12 on Goff. Uh, Brandon down at QB 15. This Pittsburgh defense, you said it, Jake. This is a defense on the rise. How do you feel Goff matches up with them? No, it's just, you can't, I'm not going to, there's no way I'm ever going to defend Jared Goff. So I have nothing to say because <laughs> I'm, this is one of the ones where I'm going to go back and you ask begging, I'm going to beg my projections to let me find a way to drop Jared Goff in my rankings. I don't know why he's at 12. This doesn't make sense. He's Jared Goff. Uh, like on the pos- this is the positive spin I'll try to put on him. And it's about what I put in the waivers and for Josh Reynolds is that I think Josh Reynolds brings something, obviously, that Brandon Cooks doesn't, but also that Robert Woods and Cooper Cup don't. He's a big guy. He's another big guy, especially in the red zone. Part of the reason I think Gerald Everett's broken out this year is because, again, you have Brandon Cooks' small downfield option, speedy. That's like Brandon Cooks is an amazing wide receiver, still very young. Robert Woods is great at what he does, but it's kind of redundant to what Cooper Cup does, and Cooper Cup is his boy. I think they needed this. I think Jared Goff needs this. And I think that Josh Reynolds, I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Reynolds outperforms Robert Woods the rest of the way for as long as Brandon Cooks is out, which might be the rest of the season. All that being said, I still can't never trust Jared Goff just because I don't like him as a player. I just don't think he has the NFL level intelligence to read defenses. And we've seen that Emory Hunt pointed out last year on my podcast that defenses started disguising their formation until the headset clicked off from Sean McVay because he didn't know how to adjust once the defense showed or before and after. So 
I don't like it. And yeah, this quarterbacks are so flat anyway. I can tell you right now off my projections between Josh Allen and all the way down to Daniel Jones, it's less than a one fantasy point gap. Well, we know Jared Goff doesn't know that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. So that <laughs> that, that, that kind of certainly, uh, you know, maybe provides evidence of what you're saying, Jake. Um, and I have a 15. I mean, he's I think he's quarterback 17 on the season. He hasn't been good. And he's like four games in a row. He's completed less than 60 percent of his passes. And and maybe Josh Elman Reynolds brings a different, you know, element to this offense but you know anybody in the world's going to want brandon cooks to be out there a healthy brandon cooks and and think that that's going to offer more overall upside i mean um so yeah and I, the steelers have been playing a lot better obviously minkin fitzpatrick's been helping them i think they would have gotten better anyways uh they're at home this is a west coast team uh going out there and i just think um this is just going to be another rough one for jerry goff so i'd be steer i'd be looking to steer clear from starting him if i had him for sure Rams three and a half point favorites on the road in Pittsburgh with that Pittsburgh defense again rounding into form definitely feels like a, a one of the one of the units across the league that is truly on the rise from what we saw earlier in the season I got to ask you guys about this we can fire through it quickly but it's just a fun little narrative a fun little uh, quirk of the schedule we've got the Jets and the Giants playing one another technically the Jets are the home team but both teams kind of feel right there at home uh, so uh, who are we taking just a heads up battle who we taking? Brandon will go to you first. Uh, Sam Darnold or Danny Dimes? Uh, oh, you mean just a straight-up quarterback battle? Or yeah, who, 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 who are you ranking higher? No, no, no. Um, who you, between the quarterbacks. I'm taking, I'm, taking, uh, I'm taking the Giants to win. I thought they played, you know, respectably <laughs> for or for a decent amount of time uh, against Dallas. And I, I actually have Daniel Jones ranked 16th. I have Darnold ranked 20th. Ooh, that's a – yeah. I'm taking Daniel Jones only because he runs. That's it. Yeah. That's the only reason. Yeah, I mean, hey, that's a that's a perfectly fair reason. But uh, I think both these QBs uh, are going to factor into that uh, that streaming mix. Can we talk about this a bit, you guys? How uh, a lot of uh, a lot of um, uh, regular fantasy leagues aren't as open to streaming as uh, some of the leagues that we play in, with people owning backup quarterbacks. But well, we've got Watson, Brady. Um, Carson Wentz all taking a seat this week. So I think we could see both of these New York City quarterbacks factoring in to the uh, QB1 mix with positive matchups on both sides for them, uh, both getting uh, to play at home, even though it's a Jets home game. Uh, a couple of injuries <laughs> obviously we're going to want to watch. Patrick Mahomes with the knee and Jacoby Brissett with the knee uh, on Wednesday. Hard to say whether they'll be able to, uh, we can really peg whether one or both will be able to start, but J uh, Derek and I, excuse me, uh, will be back with you on Friday. And hopefully by then we have a clearer picture on Mahomes and Brissett. Let's move on now to the tight end position. Just a couple of guys who I want to talk about uh, at this spot. The first one uh, really jumped out at me how high you had Jake Doyle ranked or Jack Doyle ranked as second time with Jack and Drake Getting all sorts of uh, getting all sorts of uh, Jack names. Draw. Yeah, right, man. It's tough. It's a lot of talking uh, going on over here. Jack Doyle. When I went through your rankings, I was a little surprised to see him at tight end seven. Not that I'm saying you're wrong. Just you know, Jack Doyle tight end seven. It's not something you expect necessarily to see. Brandon, you're right there too. Not right all the way up there, but also have him inside the top twelve of the position. You're at tight end eleven. Uh, Jake, uh, we'll go to you first on this one. How does Jack Doyle climb up to tight end seven? Uh, why does Brandon hate him so much? Jeez, God, can't stand. Uh, what the heck? Yeah. Uh, he hates Jacks. I heard. Well, 
<laughs> look, the last two games, double-digit fantasy points and full-point PPR just outside of it in, in half, and it really comes down to is he's been out-snapping, out-targeting, out-using, usaging, whatever word you want to throw that, on Eric Ebron, and with no T.Y. Hilton, it just comes down to, I don't care if Brian Hoyer is that quarterback who actually I had in there right now, is it, you, you, we didn't bring up his quarterback. You know, Hopefully you don't have to go that far, but that was the one that I said to take a chance on. Obviously, that's if Brissett's out. But whoever it is, they need Jack Doyle. They, they're running 12 sets because they have no T.Y. Hilton. And if you're telling me it's going to come down to Zach Pascal and Chester Rogers and now Deion Kane with Paris Campbell also out, Jack Doyle is going to be involved. And I think that if you gave me him versus Eric Ebron, Eric Ebron, you're just hoping for a touchdown. His use in snaps are just not there anymore. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I think, you know, editing Jake, probably there was some, uh, you know, some osmosis of me ranking maybe Doyle a little bit higher than I would. But I think the the narrative <laughs> about Hilton being gone and even Paris C- Campbell being out, uh, you know, and and I kind of mentioned it with Marlon Mack. I think this is going to be a nickel and dime kind of offense for uh, Indy this week. And if you get Marlon Mack going and they're running him a lot, you're going to get yourself into, you know, a lot of third and shorts. I think it's just going to be one of those tight end kind of games. So uh, for me, I, you know, I, I see what Jake's saying. And then plus, I also think there's some game flow that I'm, I have expectations of that could help him as well. Yeah, Jack Doyle uh, scored a touchdown last week. And again, if T.Y. Hilton out, uh, it's going to be a lot of uh, all-hands-on-deck situation for the Colts in what uh, still looks like a good matchup against the Miami Dolphins. Now, on the other side of this game, uh, again, another thing I was surprised, I thought both of you, or at least one of you, would be a little bit higher on Mike Gesicki. I went for 95 yards on six catches last week. Preston Williams out for the season that uh, just intuitively would lead you to believe maybe more volume for Gesicki going forward. But Jake, you're at 16 and Brandon, you're at 15 uh, on Gesicki at the tight end position. Brandon, I thought we were brothers in arms on Gesicki. We were all 48 hours <laughs> I, ago. We, we couldn't, we couldn't have been higher on the guy. Now you've got him at tight end 15. He started out at 12 and then it, it just started sliding when I started, you know, really looking at all the guys and kind of like diving in deeper and he kept getting bumped a little bit. You know, I can, I can see, I mean, he's averaged close to 50 yards over the last four weeks with Fitzpatrick at quarterback. What I'd really like to see with it, I, cause I, you know, I fell in love with the talent uh, at Penn state. And I thought, Oh, this guy's going to be great, but I don't think he is. I don't think he's that good at football yet. Like he's a really good athlete. And, 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 and the big play he had last week, he was wide open. Like when I get excited about tight ends, it's like when you see them really start to get the routes and making tough catches and traffic and, and, and things like that, I just don't think you're going to be able to have a guy like this, just getting wide open looks all the time. And, and, you know, if you, if you're not a, like a good at football, as I said, you know, like you're still kind of a work in progress, um, you know, you're going to have to kind of live off those open looks a lot. And I just don't think he's going to get them. Yeah. And before that game, season high, 51 yards, 51, 41, 31, 11. He's got a lot of yards here with the one is the second number, but like it kind of comes down to who's in front of him. You know, I, I think that right in front of him, I have Hawkinson. You could probably make a case for Gesicki and I wouldn't be surprised if he leapfrogs him, but Vance McDonald had a good game last week. Gerald Everett. Witten, Ebron, Janu, assuming there's no Delaney Walker, Olsen, and then it's up from there. Actually, he will jump one spot because Evan Ingram's now out, but it's just more of fact that the guys in front of him. I just trust all the guys in front of him. I actually think the fact that he's now going to be, like I said, 15 is a testament to the opportunity that he has more than what Gesicki's done to date. Has Ingram been ruled out officially? Is that already up there? Yeah, he's in a boot. He's already out. 
Oh, and wow. Mike, I'm looking at my, I, I was air. I had him at 14 already. So he'll actually end up being 13 on my list. This Look week, at so that. You guys, cool. you guys yeah. can't wait to start Mike Kosicki this week. <laughs> Just yeah. like Ingram that. Is, midfoot sprain, which by the way, was the initial report they gave Cam Newton before finding out it was list Frank and he's done for the year. So hope you're making all their uh, other opportunity <laughs> or chances or plans for potentially not having Ingram. Yeah. Well, how about that? Uh, I'll admit uh, the, the, uh, the take a chance on quarterback was, uh, a little bit of uh, an accidental skip by me. A little, uh, it's, it's cold, man. You, brand you live in Seattle, Jake. You're in what might as well be uh, the Caribbean and down there in Virginia Beach. It's cold already <laughs> in Chicago. It's cold it's in the be part 70 of the- tomorrow. What the hell is going on? It's like in the 30s here. I'm, I'm dealing with a little bit of a head cold. I just sort of glossed over the uh, quarterback to skip. So I wanted to mention that. Jake, you said Brian Hoyer. Brandon, if you want to throw a quarterback out there uh, that you'll take a chance on this week, feel free. Let's get that if you got one and a tight end as yeah. well. Yeah, I feel a little filthy saying it, but Ryan Tannehill, I mean, guy's number five fantasy quarterback after three weeks as a starter. I mean, that's that's we're a bottom line industry, and he's been delivering, and you get Kansas City, you know, a game that should have plenty of offense, uh, a team that you can throw on. So, you know, like, like I said, you don't have to love the way it looks, but I think in the end it might net out okay. And then how about a tight end for you too, Brandon? Oh God, I don't know if I could go deeper than Mike Gesicki. I don't feel comfortable <laughs> going can. much farther deeper than that. I mean, I, I you know, mine. I'm sort of. Don't do it. Am, am, am I sort of interested in like maybe OJ Howard finally having a decent game against Arizona? Um, That's a trap. I know it sort of <laughs> feels like a trap, but I, I might, I might go that direction. Uh, Jerry Cook, maybe. So I know oh, you would say Jerry. There you go. <laughs> Jerry Cook is back, so he can just disappoint everybody in perfect yeah. form. I don't know. I, I'll, the, I was going to say he's going to steal mine. This was in the write-up. The sleeper is Kyle Rudolph. He's, look, it's been a bad year. Uh, but Kyle Rudolph, over the past four games, is getting back in the mix at least. He's got three catches in each of the last three games. It's not exciting. It's not over the top. But no Adam Thielen. They're going to need him and Irv Smith and old B.C. Johnson. And, you know, Rudolph is just back there. And the Cowboys are not – like they're not Cardinals exploitable, but they are exploitable enough against the tight end position. A couple of injuries you're going to want to watch over the next uh, couple of days. Uh, Evan Ingram, uh, we already know, we already talked about. Uh, George Kittle not practicing early in the week because of uh, the knee prop, the the little uh, knee thing that looked a little scary for him last week against Arizona, but doesn't seem like that's going to be a problem. Just want to mention it if you do see you know a little blurb about him. Doesn't seem like you're going to be without George Kittle this week. Brandon, you mentioned OJ Howard still making his way back from a hamstring injury, and as we know, Delaney Walker still dealing with an ankle injury as well. I'm going to consider this uh, this ranking show a win for me because uh, when Jake just dropped that, it's a trap, and instantly see his face on that Star Wars body in my head. I didn't uh, spit the tea that I was drinking all over my microphone, so thumbs up there. We hope that this ranking show leads you to a win this weekend as well. Follow Jake on Twitter at AllInKid. Follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funston. I am at M. Beller. Don't forget theathletic.com slash the ranking show gets you 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. You get all the greatness at The Athletic, including our subscribers only update on Friday with me and Derek Van Riper. And of course, Jake's rankings column updated right there all the way until kickoff on Sunday. For Jake and Brandon, I'm Michael. Thanks for listening.